Welcome, my friends, to episode 46 of Little Cabin Knits. I'm your host, Emily, and Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health, advocacy, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska, with a little bit of Huga sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska. So, my friends, settle in with your knitting, some, maybe some self-care, maybe light a candle, get yourself a nice, either cool or warm drink to comfort you, and let's settle in and talk about knitting and boundaries. Well, I am so grateful to be with you guys again. So just a little bit of administrative stuff. Just a reminder, you can find me as Anders Mill Knits on Instagram and Ravelry. I have a YouTube channel that I produce with my good friend Farmstead Knits, and that's called Between Knits and Pearls. And we just put out a new episode, well, this week, actually, uh, We highlighted the Perfect Stitch Fiber Company, and that's Jen, and she is a riot. You guys really got to check her out, especially her reels on Instagram. It's awesome. You can find all the show notes on my website of andersmillknits.wixsite.com forward slash website. Yeah, I know. I know. I still haven't gotten my own website yet. Um, It's kind of low on the priority list right now, whether, you know, pay for a website domain or pay for my wedding. You know what I mean? So for now, I'm good with it. So thank you guys for your patience on that. And if you have any questions or a comment or you'd like to be a guest on Little Cabin Knits, you can email me at littlecabinknitsak at gmail.com. Spotlight. So just a little reminder about what this segment is. I really love audio podcasts. I absolutely love them. I actually prefer them over YouTube uh, knitting podcasts or channels, if you will. And I've been listening to audio podcasts for many years now. And some have stood the test of time. Some have gone by the wayside. But all of them I really, really enjoy. And so each time I produced an episode, I tried to spotlight uh, a knitting podcast that is that I've been listening to, or maybe that's new to me. And so I thought I would pass on uh, podcasts that you might not be aware of. And this week is, uh, I consider an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, But I was surprised to learn that a lot of people didn't know about this one. And so this one is called the Yarns at Yin Hu. That's Y-I-N space H-O-O. And this is hosted by Sarah, who is also known as Sarah Pomegranate on Instagram. I don't I don't know if she's known as Sarah Pomegranate on Ravelry or not. So but I will say her posts on Instagram are always amazing, very inspiring. So I highly recommend following her on there if you have that social media platform. So, Yarns at Yin Hu has over 283 episodes out. Can you believe that, folks? I am on episode 46. 
<laughs> so, you know, she's been around for a while. And I have actually been listening to her from the beginning because I kind of do search regularly on my podcatcher app that I prefer, which, oh, hold on, let me find out what the name of that is. I listen on Overcast. I can never remember the names of things sometimes, you know? But anyway, I regularly go searching for knitting podcasts or anything with the word knitting, yarn, fiber, spinning in the title to see if I'm if any new podcasts have come out or maybe I didn't see one before. Anyway, so I've been listening to Sarah from Yarns at Yinhu for well, over five years, I think. Um, I would assume that she's been podcasting since she's got 283. But I really enjoy Sarah. She's very calm and she has a very personable voice and she really is very meditative. She's a teacher by trade and, you know, her style of presenting things, um, her teaching style really comes across and it's always just such a joy to listen to her podcasts. So she covers knitting, spinning, sewing, mindfulness, and literature. And she says that her catchphrase is anything that has to do with post-apocalyptic skills. Now, I'm not a sewer. So I generally just get lost when she's describing her latest sewing projects. But it doesn't mean that I stop listening at those points because I'm always fascinated by her process, um, how thoughtful she is. Like she has hand dyed or naturally dyed fabric. She is very methodical in her fabric choices and what she chooses to work with in all mediums, fiber and fabric and anything that has to do therein. And it's just always such a joy to listen to her her process. Um, she used to do segments about, I forgot what the segments were called, but it was, it was about from the pantry. And she would uh, tell you like what she was cooking that week and what she used from the pantry that week. Or she would tell you about a new recipe she tried and how it went over in the house. And it was always very fascinating because her style of cooking and preparing food and storing food is very different from mine and I will say that I'm a tad bit envious of her modality of approaching life in general. I wish I would slow down just a tiny bit more instead of taking like the easy routes on things and she always makes me think about how fulfilling taking these longer routes, this slower process to life really is. I love it. Uh, Recently, I've gone back to re-listen to the eight-part series that she recorded with Dr. Lily Marsh, who published a dissertation on the great Elizabeth Zimmerman. Guys, a a dissertation. It's amazing. Uh, I so enjoyed these episodes, and it has reinvigorated my love for Elizabeth Zimmerman and the pioneering that she did to bring knitting into the mainstream. I just learned so much. I didn't even know that Elizabeth had a TV series for a while. And I'm going to misspeak here, but I think it was, they said it was back in the 70s. I want them to bring that back. I want to find that. If anybody knows how to find 
uh, a way to watch those episodes. I doubt there is a way, but if you can find it, please send it my way. I would love to listen to uh, watch those. And so Elizabeth Zimmerman is such a pioneer, learning about her childhood, uh, how she and her husband met, and their story of coming to America and building up this home-based business that is alive and well today is was utterly astounding, and I couldn't get enough of it. It made me think so much. And so if you'd like to go back and listen to those episodes, the episodes are numbers 267, 269, 271, 273, 275, 277, 279, and 281. So I just highly recommend you give Sarah a listen on Yarns at Yinhu. You just won't be disappointed. I guarantee you that. Raise a cuppa. Well, today, my friends, I, can you hear it? I'm drinking some diet peach tea over ice, and it is delicious. Mm, it's so good. It's my favorite mm, drink outside of Diet Mountain Dew. I know, I know. Diet Mountain Dew is not good for the gut, but, you know, it's, it's Emily's choice, and we're going to honor that. <laughs> But these last few weeks have been full to the brim. I feel like I say that every time I record. And if you are annoyed with hearing me say that, I'm right on that train with you. But the stats don't lie. Like, when I look back at what I've been doing the last two weeks, I'm like, okay, well, let's take a breather, shall we? (sighs) So I really enjoy my time sitting down and podcasting with you guys because... This is one of my self-care breathing moments. So what with my camping adventure for my birthday weekend, work, which I'm sure you're tired of me talking about, the wedding, which I'm also sure you're tired of me talking about, and not to mention the Olympics. Oh my gosh, hasn't that been exciting, guys, to watch the Olympics? It's been awesome. Uh, Well, my life has just been really full. Oh, I totally forgot. Also, family gatherings. There's been quite a few of them. And so I've just been really having a great time. But I want to focus for a moment on my camping trip because it was so amazing. I followed through with my birthday dip slash cleanse in the glacier waters of Kenai Lake. I did it. And Mr. Radio was pretty impressed. Well, I'm keen. Okay. I was impressed with myself. Okay. (laughs) Let's just say it how it really is. It was so cold, but it also felt so good. I actually went in for a second dip, which kind of turned into a third slash fourth dip because I lost my footing, uh, fell back into the glacier water, and scraped my scraped and bruised my knee. That still doesn't didn't uh, diminish the wonderfulness of that experience. I was a crazy person. There was a family down the beach. Oh, I I apologize. I don't like saying those things. I wasn't a crazy person. I was inspired. I don't like those words, um, that we use them too much. Okay, so now I'll stop that tangent. But I will say, people were looking at me kind of funny. There was a family further down the beach, and I could hear them being like, almost, I could almost hear them gasping 
it felt like from down the beach as they watched me. I did post a video of myself uh, and this on my Instagram stories, I think it's called, but that's long gone because it only stays for 24 hours. But we were at a cell phone service for three days. It was marvelous. We didn't have any interruptions of any kind of internet noise, if you will, or, and we were just with our thoughts that whole weekend. And I really wanted this time because going into the next day, decade and phase of my life with a clean slate, you know, washing away the troubles of the past was, it was so enlightening. I spent a good part of my day, my birthday, journaling about the past decade, all the major ups and downs, such as getting my master's, going into a brand new field of work. Uh, getting married and divorced and then falling in love again. I had no idea it was going to be even possible. And then I also journaled about what my hopes for this new decade are, and in particular my upcoming marriage to the oh-so-wonderful Mr. Radio. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there here and talk about more of the downs that happened in that last decade, but there were some rather traumatic things that happen. And if you don't know, go back and listen to almost any episode. I'm sure I've talked about it. (laughs) And it really put me in a solemn mood. And it prepared me for that dip in the lake, that, that cleanse that I went through. And it, when I came back up and I came and I just felt so free from all of that trauma, despair, but also the putting to bed the old Emily from the, thir- the my 30s and now opening up this new chapter for my 40s. It just felt so good. So, And that's when, when I came back to the campground, that's when I wrote about my hopes and dreams for my future uh, 10 years. And so during the trip, we hiked, we harvested Labrador tea. Uh, we tried to identify as many plants as we could around us and we relaxed and knit by the campfire Oh, there's a butterfly outside my window. Wow, can you tell I'm hyped up today, guys? <laughs> I'm just excited to talk to you, I guess. Well, but we relaxed and knit by the campfire. We colored at the picnic table. We played many rounds of dominoes, and Mr. Radio beat me. And he hasn't stopped gloating about that since. And most of all, we rested. It was a quiet and healing trip, and it was just what I needed. Since then, I've been working on the wedding. I've even created an Excel file of everything I have done and need to do to make this all happen. And I have a date with my mom and my sisters this weekend to work on the wedding favors and everything else that's coming up. Now, the recent surge of cases of COVID honestly has me worried that all this planning and excitement will be for naught as there are recent talks about another lockdown. I want to celebrate, guys. But even if there weren't these recent cases, everything I have been planning has been with COVID safety in mind. I've purchased masks for the guests and gloves. All the food will be prepackaged portions so no one touches another person's food. The wedding itself will be outdoors and the reception will flow indoors to outdoors so that we can all safely distance. <sighs> I just pray that this will happen. 
So everybody cross your fingers and toes that we can, you know, rise above all of these troubles. I want everyone to be safe. That's my prayer as we move forward. On the couch. So I sort of have on the shelf as in finished projects, but not really. It's weird. Okay, so let me just get into it. So Bunting Fit for a Queen by Vero Pepperell is my ongoing saga of knitting bunting flags for the wedding. I don't know how many I have at this point. I knit quite a large portion of these bunting flags um, before the Olympics started, but coming up on the Olympics, I got to thinking in my head, you know, I have these colors for the wedding of hunter green, golden brown, and faded pink rose, but all my bunting flags are just using my scraps and they don't necessarily correlate to the colors of my wedding. So I went to my local yarn shop, Far North Yarn Company, and Annie, she's the owner, and she has been a dear friend of mine for over 10 years. We've gone through so many highs and lows of life together, and so we were both really excited to catch up on things because it had been about a month since I'd seen her. And Annie helped me find three skeins of Madeline Tosh fingering weight for the bunting colorways, uh, colors. And those colorways are called, um, I'm going to try and say this, Tacenda, T-A-C-N-D-A. Uh, then the next one is Barbara Deserved Better. And the last one is Glazed Pecan. And I have been knitting on these nonstop since the Olympics began. To the point that I currently have 10 uh, flags of the golden brown or tasenda and oh no that's not no the golden brown is the golden is the glazed pecan and then I also have 10 in the hunter green what I'm calling it which is the tasenda colorway and I have three of the faded rose pink so my goal is to have enough to string up around the buffet table, the bar, and the cake table. And with fingers crossed, yet again, I will have enough to string up around the, I don't know what it's called, it's not technically a gazebo, maybe it's just called an arch that we've created, uh, that I'll be married under with Mr. Radio. I'm trying not to push myself too hard on these things, but I do love the pattern and I have completely memorized it now. So as soon as I cast off one flag, I immediately cast on a new one. And they have been perfect Olympic knitting, potato chip knitting at its finest. It is so wonderful. So I guess it's kind of an FO because I've got a lot of finished flags but the entire project itself isn't done so that's why I'm still labeling it on the couch <laughs> so the other thing that I worked on no there's two more things I worked on the first one is the snowberry by Shannon Cook and if you remember I was gifted this yarn about four days before my birthday and my friend didn't even realize it was my birthday coming up. She just saw the yarn and wanted to gift it to me. 
The yarn is Alaska Jude's yarn in her Southwest wool worsted weight, and it is a monster skein of eight ounces. It is beautiful. Now, it doesn't have a colorway. It's in soft greens and blues and whites. I guess you would call it variegated, but it kind it's very short, short repeats of variegation, and nothing is pooling or anything as I'm knitting on this. I just absolutely love it. And I did meet my goal of casting on this cowl slash shawl on my birthday, and I'm really enjoying knitting it uh, by the fire uh, while we were camping. It has a strong smoke smell to it now, <laughs> as does the project bag that my dear friend Steph or Farmstead Knits gifted me for my birthday, but that just honestly makes it all the sweeter. I love it. I did, however, make a few stumbles during my first lace section of this pattern, and after I tried to um, just pull back the threads of that one section and attempted to rectify the lace I don't know how many times, I ended up just ripping out that section and starting over. Actually, if my memory serves, I decided to rip out everything that I had done to that point because I think I had knit a couple too many garter ridges before I went into the lace section. And so I just kind of maybe, yeah, I, that, that's what I did. I remember now because I was at the picnic table and, and Mr. Radio was across from me coloring. And I remember him saying, you know, hearing me grunt in frustration. <laughs> But it's okay. Everything is okie dokie now. And I am loving the effect that this has. This uh, shawl slash cowl, because you can knit it as a shawl or she has um, an adaptation so that you can make it into what she calls an infinity scarf, but I'm calling it a cowl. So it has garter stitch, lace, and bobbles. Ah, oh, I love a good bobble, guys. I just absolutely love them. And when I got to my first bobble section, I was so excited. I hadn't knit a bobble in probably, oh, actually maybe five years, maybe four. Four is probably more accurate. And I was really nervous because I didn't have internet, so I couldn't look it up to see if I was doing it right. But... I knit my first bobble and I was like, ah, this is like an old hand. I know how to do this. It came out so good. It was awesome. Now, this, it just, this whole project is just really filling my soul with excitement, contempt, contentment, not contempt, and um, energy, if you will. However, I haven't picked it up since the camping trip as I've been solely focused on the bunting flags. But never fear, gentle listener, it will be back on my little nitty hands before too long, so everything will be okay. Lastly, my Jelly Roll Blanket by Kay Jones of the Bakery Bears. This project is ongoing. It was a pattern the pattern itself was gifted to me by again my good friend Steph of Farmstead Knits. 
Ah, you hear a theme there, guys? I get a lot of goodies from her, don't I? <laughs> now, this is a scrappy blanket using leftovers and mini skeins, and I've been using my Merry Everything and Happy in July swap packages to knit this up, and I worked it out. There are 31 days in July. I had two swap partners, so 30 of the 31 days, uh, I, I got mini skeins. Uh, you know, little scraps. And on the 31st day, I got a big skein. And so I worked it out that because I had two swap partners, I have 60 mini skeins for this blanket and two large, uh, regular sized yarns from it as well. And those yarns are, hold on, let me grab them. I have a beautiful skein from Diana Pals. No, no. Bombshell Dye Works. It's hard. Her her um, skein is really hard to read. Her her labeling. Uh, this is on her Primo fingering weight. It is south. A mixture of Southwest Merino. No, not Southwest. <sighs> Superwash Merino cashmere and silk it is scrumptious there are 378 yards in this it is so soft guys and this is an actually true variegated colorway it has some soft greens some uh, i'm gonna call them it's a faded blue slat that grows that goes into a gray that's very soft as well and then there's kind of this golden brown colorway to round it all out. It's, it's extremely beautiful. I can't wait to use this. I'm going to be very interested to see how that pools on whatever project I decide. I wonder if I should do a pair of socks for Mr. Radio out of that. Although it's only got 378 yards and he does wear a size 13 shoe. So I usually don't have very much yarn left over when I'm using a full cake of like 425 yards or more. So I don't know if that will work, but we shall see. When the time comes, we shall see. And the other skein from my other swap partner is from You Knit I Die, D-Y-E. It is, okay, this, I opened it on our live stream for my birthday. Uh, on my YouTube channel and I squealed <laughs> because my swap partner got me. She got me good. So this colorway is called Under Your Spell. It's a sock set so it comes with a mini and this is 85% superwash merino and 15% nylon. It comes with, oh my, well it's 120 grams altogether because so I've got 524 yards all together. My goodness, I did not see that. Now, I loved this so much. Oh, I didn't tell you about the color. Okay, so the mini skein is like a lipstick pink. Like, really nice and bright. It's awesome. I wouldn't call it highlighter pink, lipstick pink. And then the main skein is... Uh, a true speckle with that um, pink that I just mentioned with some lighter pinks and then black with a lot of the white showing through. Oh my gosh, it is so beautiful, so wonderful. And I absolutely love this. I went directly to the You Knit I Die 
website. I looked her up and she has very good prices on her website and some really awesome colorways. I'm going to message her soon to see if she'd like to be on the Between Knits and Pearls show so that we can all enjoy her um, dyeing expertise, if you will. And again, this, so, okay, back to my blanket. I totally got sidetracked there. So I've got my 60 minis for mini skeins from my swap packages for this blanket. And the way I'm doing it is, is each strip, I'm picking a different color to really focus on that strip. So my first strip I finished and it was focused on the color green. And I've started my second strip with all pinks. And let me just say, so that first strip that I knit was so boring. I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I was bored out of my mind and I was so worried. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this blanket. I just, I can't. But then I cast on and joined on the second strip, which is a knit, it's a knit slash join as you go. And that has made all the difference. I am so excited. I love seeing how the colors match up as they're laying side by side. I love the little join that uh, Kay Jones of Bakery Bears came up with that makes this beautiful, crisp, and invigorating join between the two strips. And it's just enough to keep your interest so you don't get bored again. And yet at the same time, you can totally knit this without, I mean, I knit most of what I finished on this blanket to, uh, on the road to and from the campsite. So probably about three and a half hours total driving. And I am a girl that loves to look out my window, especially here in Alaska. It doesn't matter how many times I've driven a road. I love to watch my, the scenery pass me by. And so I was knitting on this blanket while looking at the scenery and I was listening to another episode of Yarns of uh, Yin Hu, uh, one of the Elizabeth Zimmerman episodes, and I got so much done. I hardly ever looked down though. It was amazing. I can't wait to get back to that. But again, it needs to wait until I'm done with the wedding knit. So I not only need to finish my bunting flags, but I literally have only the toe done on my second sock for my wedding socks. And I need to get on that pronto because that is lace knitting. It does take me a lot of concentration to do that. And so I need to really concentrate on that. So until those things are done, both my snowberry cowl or shawl and my jelly roll blanket will just need to be on the back burner for now. Personal skill set. Well, today we're going to talk about boundaries because the topic of boundaries has really been on my mind a lot lately. I even so much so that I gave three trainings on it in my in my organization, which focused on professional boundaries. And I noticed that there's been quite a lot of posts on social media lately on the topic as well. So I must not be the only one thinking about boundaries lately. So I thought it might be apropos to talk about that here. 
Now, boundaries really honestly is a strange topic. We all have them, whether we recognize and name them or not, and yet we often feel or find it hard to describe what they are, how we develop them, and when they are healthy versus unhealthy boundaries. And honestly, when they are in play in our daily lives. So I thought I'd try and dissimilate it a bit for all of us here. Now, I can't cover it all. Like, I would need to write a dissertation (laughs) about boundaries. So I'm going to start, I'm going to try and give you just a jumping off point, if you will. So let's start with a concrete example. Think of a sport, say soccer, football, or basketball. Now picture the field of play on the field or the court, and there are lines drawn on that to indicate the area of play, where the ball is allowed or in, if you will, and if it crosses over those lines or borders, the ref will blow his or her whistle, play is stopped, and the ball is reintroduced to the field to continue play inside the lines. Now, there are rules of conduct that the players must abide by all as well throughout the game. If a player harms another player or breaks any of the other rules, play is again stopped by the referee, And a sanction is given, sometimes leading to one team or another being given an opportunity to score points due to the severity of the foul play. This is like the boundaries in our lives. We all have internal and invisible, invisible boundary lines and rules of conduct that we abide by for ourselves and the expectations of acceptable conduct by those we encounter. These are our boundaries, and they are determined by our upbringing from our main characters, and they're influenced by culture and those we come in contact with, as well as our value system. Now I want to pause here for a moment so that I can define what a value system is for you, just in case, okay? I'm not talking down to you. I'm just wanting to clarify. A value system is a set of ethical and moral beliefs or principles that we make to guide our everyday actions. Psychology Today explains it a bit further, and I've linked this article in my show notes, so my blog post. And Psychology Today says, values are words commonly used to mean beliefs. But values are typically non-conscious and implicit motivators. They fuel emotions, feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. Their appeal to oneself's interest is profound, if not exactly, no, excitingly pleasurable. Making progress in life is a massive endeavor. And values cannot practices, wait, values connote practices because one's values strongly influence how one behaves. So, what is an example of a value system? Uh, We would most commonly correlate value systems with religion. Okay, so if one believes that God is all-powerful and all-knowing, 
then it will influence your interactions with the outside world due to the belief that you are being observed and sometimes judged by your behaviors by this God, this all-seeing God. Now, if you believe in the Ten Commandments, then you're less, less likely to steal, kill, or harm others, lie, bear false witness, swear, or blaspheme, covet another person's belongings or spouse, and you would refrain from other activities that would violate these Ten Commandments. But what if you didn't grow up with or align yourself with a set of religious beliefs? Does this then mean that you don't have a value system? No, because value systems are taught by our primary caregivers from the moment we are born. Additionally, the country that you live in has laws and those laws are in essence the value system of that country. So even if you don't align with a religious sect, you have or have stable caregivers growing up, you would still have those that country's value system or laws dictating your moral boundaries. Okay, so now back to that subject of boundaries. So boundaries, they come in many different shapes and categories. I've made a little list of the, all the different kinds, but we don't have time to go into any of them, honestly. But uh, I'll just list them here, and this can be a jumping off point for you to go and look. There are professional boundaries, social boundaries, personal boundaries, physical boundaries, intimate or romantic boundaries, emotional or mental slash intellectual boundaries, spiritual, religious, or value-based boundaries, financial and material boundaries, time boundaries, and non-negotiable boundaries. And there are more categories than that. These are just the ones that I came up with. Um, I want to take a moment to discuss healthy and unhealthy boundaries. What are they and how do we know if we have them or are using them? Okay, so healthy boundaries allow you to have a high sense of self-esteem and self-respect. You can share personal information gradually in a mutually sharing and trusting relationship because you know that it is reciprocated. You know, healthy boundaries protect physical and emotional space from intrusion. So honestly, it is a protective barrier between those that are seen as unstable or could do harm to oneself. Healthy boundaries create an equal partnership where responsibility and power are shared with your loved one or romantic partner. And that is very important. Now, high boundaries also allow you to be assertive. You can be confidently and truthfully, you can say yes or no, and be okay when other people say no to you. When you have healthy boundaries, you can separate your needs, your thoughts, your feelings and desires from other people, from outside sources. And you recognize that your boundaries and needs are different from theirs. 
very key. And lastly, when you have healthy boundaries, you empower yourself to make healthy choices and take responsibility for yourself, whether that means you get in trouble or you get a reward. So what about unhealthy boundaries? Well, these are a little tough to characterize, but I tried my best. So they are characterized by things such as sharing too much or too soon, or um, or at the other end of the spectrum where you're closing yourself off and you're not expressing your needs and wants to other people. So either you are expressing too much too soon or you're totally cut off and you're not sharing anything at all. An unhealthy boundary could be characterized by feeling responsible for another's happiness. Please remember you cannot make another person happy in this life. You can put out all the energy in the world, but it is the other's responsibility to choose happiness. It is your responsibility to take in the information from the outside world and to dissimilate it, to categorize it, to figure it out, and again, decide whether to choose happiness or unhappiness. That is your responsibility. It's not your responsibility to make another person happy. It is a losing game. Unhealthy boundaries are also characterized by the inability to say no for fear of rejection from another or even abandonment or shaming. When you have unhealthy boundaries, you have a weak sense of your own identity. So you base how you feel about yourself on how other people treat you rather than deciding internally your own self-worth. So in other words, when other people treat you badly, you uh, feel that you are a piece of, say, S-H-I-T, and that that's just who you are. But when other people treat you with enthusiasm, honor, and dignity, then you then extrapolate out of that that you are an amazing person and can do no wrong. Okay, those are extreme examples, but I'm hoping you see what I'm saying here. When you have unhealthy boundaries, you have a sense of disempowerment. You allow others to make decisions for you. So consequently, you feel powerless and you are unable to take responsibility for your own life. You rely on other people to do that. So those are the characteristics, and those are just a few of the characteristics that I wanted to describe to you of unhealthy boundaries. Now, in a moment in the Huga, a time for Huga section, I'll give you some prompts as to how you can um, dive into your own boundaries and really figure out if your boundaries are unhealthy or healthy, if you need to pay attention to some or if you're pretty strong and well-balanced in them as well. But I want to discuss how you can set healthy boundaries for a moment. And here I've modified some information provided from the book Boundaries, Where You End and I Begin by Anne Catherine. This is 
one of my all-time favorite books. I love it. I have many copies. I've given many copies away. I always make sure to have them when I'm a counselor to share with clients and stuff. So I highly recommend this. And I have linked that, or you can just go to Amazon and look for Boundaries, Where You End and I Begin. Okay? And it'll come up, I promise. So here's some little snippets out of that book about setting healthy boundaries. When you identify the need to set a boundary, do it clearly, calmly, firmly, respectfully, and in as few words as possible. Don't justify, get angry, or apologize for the boundary you're setting. Just calmly set it. You are not responsible for the other person's reaction to the boundary that you are setting. You are only responsible for communicating your boundary in a respectful manner. If it upsets them, know that that is their problem. Some people, especially those accustomed to controlling, abusing, or manipulating you, they might test you. You need to plan on it, expect it. But remain firm in your boundaries. Remember, your behavior must match the boundaries that you are setting. You cannot successfully establish a clear boundary if you send mixed messages by apologizing for the boundary. At first, you will probably feel pretty selfish, guilty, or even embarrassed when you set a boundary. Do it anyway, and tell yourself that you have the right to self-care. Setting boundaries takes practice and determination, so don't let anxiety or low self-esteem prevent you from taking care of yourself. When you feel anger or resentment or find yourself whining or complaining, you probably need to set a boundary. Listen to yourself, determine what you need to do or say, and then communicate it assertively, but calmly and respectfully as well. So learning to set healthy boundaries takes time, and it's a process. Set them in your own time frame, not when somebody else tells you to do so. And you need to develop a supportive system of people who respect your right to set boundaries. Eliminate those toxic people from your life, those who want to manipulate, abuse, and control you. So what if you have a boundary that's been crossed and you don't recover from it as quickly as I've just described here? Does that then mean there's no going back? That you can't rectify that in the future? Absolutely not. Boundaries ebb and flow. Our ability to enforce boundaries ebbs and flow depending on the energy that we have that day. And it is always appropriate to go back and reestablish boundaries that have been crossed with yourself first and with the external world second. So I think the takeaway here is that boundaries must always be first set for oneself, within oneself. And that is a very deep and intimate process. 
So in the end, what boundaries mean to you is a very personal journey. It takes time and awareness and concentration to define in actualized language what your value system is and what that means in relationship or in relation to your boundaries and how that is reflected in your behaviors, not just when you're interacting with the world at large, but in quiet, intimate moments with yourself. A time for Hugo. Today I thought I'd provide you with a few journal prompts to assist you in your boundaries journey. Remember, please, that these are starting off points for you to explore your inner needs, wants, dreams, and expectations. So, my journal prompts are always a beginning of a sentence. So I'll say the journal prompt, then I'll pause, and then I'll say the next one. And if you want to access these journal prompts, yet again, they are on my website of andersmillknits.wixit.com forward slash website. So here they are. I am nourished by... I hope to feel... I am out of balance if... Meaningful support looks like my biggest concern is I want to protect. I will know my boundaries needs attention when and let me say that one again. I will know my boundaries need attention when I honor others' boundaries by things that prevent or stop me from setting boundaries are I can show kindness to others while establishing my boundaries by and lastly, boundaries improve my life by So my friends, I invite you to take some time to visit these journal prompts during your Hugo moments of peace and tranquility. Contemplation Corner. Boundaries are a part of self-care. They are healthy, normal, and necessary. A Doreen Virtue. If someone throws a fit because you set boundaries, it's just more evidence that the boundary is needed. Unknown. And lastly, my favorite. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. Brene Brown. Well, my friends, another episode has come to a close. Thank you for honoring me with your time and your energy today. 
I love this subject of boundaries and I hope that that love is coming across. I am not an expert in this subject. I am a journeyer on the road to understanding and incorporating boundaries more fully and completely into my life. I will never be an expert in boundaries because I feel that this is something that is a lifelong journey. It's it's a really hard subject to talk about because I often feel that when I talk about it, I feel as if I'm almost speaking down a little bit to people and I never want that feeling to come across so I hope that what you heard today was either more informational or more inspiring to you because that was the spirit that it was intended to be received so I really hope and pray that it was received in that light thank you my friends for joining me and I can't wait till next time when we talk about more knitting, no doubt, with a lot more bunting, and probably a finished pair of wedding socks. Let's let's really make that happen, shall we, Emily? Yes, let's do that. But in the meantime, remember, my friends, to knit what you love and love what you knit. Ta-ta for now. Welcome to episode 47 of Little Cabin Knits. Gnomes, gnomes, gnomes! <laughs> I'm your host, Emily, and thank you all for joining me so much today. Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health and advocacy, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of higa sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily, like I already said. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska. This week's episode contains administration, spotlight, raise a cuppa, on the shelf, on the couch, personal skill set, a time for Huga, and contemplation corner. So my knitting friends, sit back with a nice cuppa of your choice or however you choose to join me today, doing chores, going for a walk, uh, you know, conversing with your loved one, even though he doesn't know you're listening to me in your headphones, <laughs> however you like, and let's get to knitting. Welcome to episode 47 of Little Cabin Knits. Gnomes, gnomes, gnomes! <laughs> I'm your host, Emily, and thank you all for joining me so much today. Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health and advocacy, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of higa sprinkled throughout. I'm your host, Emily, like I already said. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, and explorer of my home state of Alaska. This week's episode contains administration, spotlight, raise a cuppa, on the shelf, on the couch, personal skill set, a time for Huga, and contemplation corner. 
So my knitting friends, sit back with a nice cuppa of your choice or however you choose to join me today, doing chores, going for a walk, uh, you know, conversing with your loved one, even though he doesn't know you're listening to me in your headphones, <laughs> however you like. And let's get to knitting. Knitting. 